Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the RAA Podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Mike Francis, founder and managing member of Francis Investment Council, LLC. Not only is he an advisor, he also holds a law degree from Marquette University Law School. In 2006, plan sponsor named magazine named Mike one of the top 25 retirement plan advisors in the country. 2018, they named it Retirement Plan Advisor of the Year. So uh, we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Seth. So not only do you have a BA in economics, but you also went to law school. How does one go from, I'm assuming that was economics, law school, financial services. Talk us, no, talk us through the trans, how that works. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I consider myself an investment guy, uh, loved economics and, and uh, investing in general. And that was the business uh, I chose out of undergraduate, out of college. And so uh, I went into the wealth management industry uh, straight out of college after about three years of, of building a, you know, a retail you know, wealth management practice, one of these high net worth uh, business owner client of mine said, hey, Mike, we're, uh, we're thinking about starting one of these newfangled 401k programs. For yeah, so our now company. you're dating yourself because it was newfangled. Right. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was 1988 to be specific. So we're starting to think, we're thinking about starting one of these new programs for my company for our company and and you've done a nice job handling our personal stuff can you you know help us set up this program and oh you know sure i can do that hang up the phone you know how the heck am i going to do that right we've all been there so i came uh back to him about two weeks later with a proposal and said this is how you know based on the research i've done this this is the approach i think uh, your organization should take and he listened and after um you know, 10 minutes of, of back and forth, they said, all right, I'll agree to go ahead with your proposal on one condition that you come out and present it to my people with me. And I said, all right, you know, done. So uh, this particular individual had 700 employees located wow. in three different uh, locations. And he and I spent the better part of a week together. He would stand up and say, hey, you're really important to us. And for that reason, we set up this new retirement benefit. And here, to tell you all about it, you know, Mikey, and then I'd, stand up, then I'd stand up and, and talk, you know, really basic stuff about the importance of saving for retirement, how tax deferred compounding works, difference between a stock fund and a bond fund, you know, real basic stuff for 15, 20 minutes. And so we did that, I don't know, 10 or 12 times. And after the course of a week, I probably had a dozen or so people come up to me and say, Mike, thank you. I knew this stuff was important, but nobody had ever taken the time to explain it to me before. And so for me, that was my light bulb moment. And I recognized, hey, Mike, there's tens of thousands of guys like you helping Mr. Business Owner or trying to help Mr. Business Owner, you know, with his with his wealth. But there's nobody helping these people. 
You know, why? Because, you know, quite frankly, they don't have, they don't have any money. And this is where, you know, preparation, hard work meets just dumb luck. And, and it, it, you know, thinking, hey, you know, I think this 401k thing might have legs. And if it does, there's the real business opportunity here. So at that moment, I decided I would stop building a retail wealth management practice and start building an institutional retirement plan consulting practice, you know, specifically focused on, on defined contribution plans. And, and so dial the clock, I had, uh, you know, seven or so years. And I find myself now talking to my clients, which are plan sponsors, and I'm getting more and more questions about lawsuits. And people are saying, well, what do they do you know, wrong? What are they, you know, why are they getting sued? And what do we have to do to not get sued? And I'm, you know, I'm reading court rulings and judges' decisions, and I'm trying to figure out you know, what the law says. And finally, I said, you know, heck with it. If I'm going to spend this much time looking into this legal stuff, I might as well just go back to school. So I went uh, to Knight Law School starting in the in the late 90s. And uh, as a part-time law student, and Knight Law School is almost by definition part-time, that's a four-year, uh, four-year program. So I came out of, of law school in four years. And law school really changes the way you look at things. And um, I came out of the back end of law school recognizing that this large national wealth management firm I was working for really didn't understand ERISA and how ERISA impacts the advice that one gives uh, their clients and or how it should. So it was at that moment I, uh, I realized I either have to get out of the advice to retirement plan sponsors business or and just start selling them stuff or I've got to uh, cut the cord with the mothership. And, and so, you know, that's when Francis Investment Council was, was started. So, so the legal piece really came as a, as a uh, kind of an add-on, just recognizing if I want to be in this business and really serve my clients, this is, this is the information I'm going to need to understand. Well, congratulations on that. And I'm sure the longer version of that journey could be in a book somewhere if it isn't already. And it's not, it's so interesting that most, you know, founders of RIA firms don't take the, huh, people are worried about legal stuff. So I'll become a lawyer and add that to my quiver while I'm trying to build and run a practice. So kudos to you. That's incredibly impressive. So now let's talk a little bit. Well, fast forward a little bit, obviously. So talk a little bit about uh, the group now and, you know, kind of how you've achieved so much recognition in the retirement plan marketplace, other than obviously being an attorney as well as an advisor. Well, you know, the the, the bulk of, of any firm's success is predicated on the quality of its people. And so, um, you know, first and foremost, when I look at, you know, how we've grown from five people to over 20 and, uh, you know, a couple hundred million in, in assets under advisement to, you know, north of 13 billion, it's all about finding the right people that um, understand what you're trying to do and can be as passionate about the mission that uh, that we have as I uh, as, as I am, and and so um, that's I mean to any any person trying to start or, or build a small business, you know, it's all about the quality of the people you surround yourself with. But quite honestly, Seth, I think 
the reason we continue to grow and expand uh, geographically is there's a real need for what we're offering. And, and we are truly trying to change the industry. And, and we think the industry needs to be changed. Uh, our industry, and when I say our industry, I'm really talking about the uh, retirement plan advising sure. industry is uh, fraught with so many conflicts of interest that um, the end user, the plan participant, really just doesn't know what hit them most of the time. And there's been a number of, of studies done, one issued by the, uh, the Obama administration in 2015, uh, one that was just issued uh, this summer by the Pew Research Institute, both of which found that the result of the conflicted advice that plan participants receive uh, is literally hundreds of uh, billions of dollars in unnecessary costs that the uh, American worker ends up um, bearing that they don't need to. And the reason they are uh, saddled with these uh, additional costs and expenses, because they listen to a conflicted advisor. Sure, and that segues perfectly into my next question, which was how is the Supreme Court ruling, you know, the Northwestern case earlier this year um, what's your opinion on that? How has that affected you guys at all? What do you think about that going forward? Well, uh, the Northwestern case is important. Anytime something involving ERISA gets up to the Supremes, which is not very often, it is important. Um, but the reality is, you know, we're really still in the fairly early stages of an industry trying to wrestle with how to comport with you know, what the law says. ERISA was passed in 1974. Uh, lawsuits really didn't start hitting uh, with any regularity until the early 90s. And it really just has been in the last 10 years that a firm out of St. Louis has started to really have some success um, suing uh, plan sponsors on the behalf of yes, participants. The wonderful mass tort attorneys. Yes. Yeah. Right. No. Uh, Jerry Schlichter, who is uh, kind of the godfather of these plaintiffs' attorneys, again located in St. Louis, he was quoted in the New York Times over ten years ago, saying, literally saying, "Arissa, it's the next asbestos." <laughs> And, and he was right. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. if you look at like the IRS and DOL and the last two years, you know, find has seized over $3.1 billion in fines. Oh, right. And the attorneys have gotten a third of that. Yeah, you know, Jerry's. See, that's why you went to law school, right? You're on the wrong side of the fence. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have yeah, to worry yeah. about the market you, anymore. You, you just go sue everybody else. You can certainly make that argument, Seth. No, no question about it. But I, I'm pretty happy with the career path I've chosen. Well, uh, your passion is obvious. So what do you think about the latest, not latest, but current trend in the marketplace, the legislation now in 14 states mandating companies either start their own retirement plan or now you've got to participate in the state run plan, which I'm sure is flawless and perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, as in almost anything, the less the government gets involved and entangled, uh, the better. So I am not in favor of these government mandates. Um, it's hard enough to start a small business as it is to have a bunch of benefit requirements foisted upon you as a business owner. So I, I am not in favor of a lot of this government mandated stuff. 
you know, in the end, um, if you want to be successful as, as a business, you're going to have to offer a competitive wage. And part of that competitive wage is a competitive benefit structure. And part of that is, is having some kind of retirement offering. Uh, so, you know, I'm not suggesting that regulation should be abolished by any stretch of the imagination. But what I am saying is that this mandated uh, stuff is is not the way to go. I, an example, though, where you know legislation and regulation has really improved things is this whole move towards um, allowing companies to default employees into into plans. You know, auto enrollment yeah. instead of opt in. And when those regulations changed in two thousand and six, uh, plans just became much easier to run and much easier to get participation in. And for the government to really say, to come out and say, you know what, if, if you want as a plan sponsor to be protected against lawsuit for defaulted investments, that investment better look like some kind of reasonably run balanced fund, not a guaranteed account or a money market account. That moved literally hundreds of billions of dollars out of money market funds and stable value funds in the balance funds in you know 2006 to 2010 range needless to say to the great benefit of the plan participants ac- across the country so the, so there's an example where a change in regulation has done a profound favor to american workers um so i'm i'm not against regulation altogether but uh some of this mandated stuff especially on the small business make stuff available make it easier to do but don't require it Absolutely agree, hundred percent. There. What do you? Uh, what are your opinions on the? You know, the aggregated or mul- the trend of aggregated pricing or multi-employer plans. Yeah, the PEPs and the MEPs um, have their place. I think it, it's a viable alternative, especially for really small employers. So I, I think that making those uh, more accessible is a good thing. I don't see they have a place for most organizations, say when you get over a hundred employees or sure. so. So those that are out there pushing these towards larger organizations or anything over a hundred or 200 employees, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But you know, the whole idea of, of making a joint uh, kind of collective operation available for somebody to plug into, I think I think that makes some sense. We still have to continue to have the strong fiduciary oversight to make sure that when these small organizations are taking money out of a person's paycheck, that that money is actually getting into a trust somewhere. And that trust is held you know, for that employee's benefit. Um, there is way, way too much uh, monkey business between the employee's paycheck and that trust in the small plan marketplace and, and uh, you know, MEPs and PEPs have to be very carefully structured and run to make sure that those protections and safeguards are, are in place. How are you, I mean, obviously you have 13 billion plus under management, um, incredible results. How are you getting in front of business owners to have that 401k conversation now? Well, um, we participate in conferences, uh, hold seminars, are constantly publishing uh, white papers, uh, you know, try to show some thought leadership in the industry. Uh, you know, we're a, a pretty first 
type dial for a lot of the reporters that cover this area. I think, you know, some of the East Coast type journalists like to call organizations like ours because we're not selling anything. And so so they know that uh, they can call Francis and we'll kind of give them the the straight poop (laughs) and and certainly with a legal perspective behind it as well. Well, your passion is obvious, as I alluded to before. What do you like best about what you're doing? Oh, you know, I believe strongly that the financial services industry is the deck is way too stacked against the American worker in favor of of Wall Street. Uh, I am passionate about advancing a business model that provides advisory services to the everyday working man that is based kind of like you pay your accountant. We're going to pay these people a fair fee. They're going to give us expert advice on an ongoing basis. And uh, just, just, you know, just like you wouldn't hire an estate planning attorney to put together your estate and then pay them a percent of your estate for the rest of your life. Nobody would do that. Right. Man, that'd be um, a heck of a bigger, a better business model for a estate oh, planning sure, attorney. It, it sure would <laughs> they be. make a lot more money. Yeah. The, the lawyers would make a lot more money that way, but they don't do it that way. And our industry, for some reason, has been able to get away with sticking a siphon into the side of these these accounts. Uh, way too many people and are overcharging um, as a result. And uh, we think uh, our business model where clients pay us a, a flat fee uh, to provide advice, not only to the plan sponsor, but the financial wellness services to their employees. Um, you know, again, paying us a flat fee every year uh, just for our time, in a, in a sense, uh, but that's that's the better business model for uh, for the worker, and in that way, you're not just a, not, you don't have a bunch of advisors just focused on that top C-suite group or the high income group or the people that are about ready. I mean, everybody's getting the same kind of service because the advisor is not incented to chase after assets or chase after rollover opportunities. So it's something that differentiates us in the marketplace, Uh, you know, that our clients know they can put us in a room with all of their employees or more importantly, one-on-one. And when that employee is about to retire and says, hey, I've I've done, you know, I'm fortunate to build up a million dollars in this 401k account. What should I do with it? Uh, They know when they're talking to our people, they're not going to get a sales pitch. They're going to get uh, they're going to get true advice because our people can't sell them anything. Our people can't contract individually with their participants. Well, that's an incredible business model and your success speaks volumes as to how well it's worked and been received. We greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. We don't have the hours we'd like to spend picking your brain on the retirement plan marketplace. For our folks who do want to learn more, where is the best place for us to send them to learn more about you and all things Francis? Sure. Uh, our website is francisinvco.com. Uh, and I can certainly be reached at michael.francis at francisinvco.com. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're always looking for not only organizations that want uh, conflict-free advice, but also we're looking for advisors who uh, are interested in uh, a model where they're actually going out into the trenches, helping people every day and don't have that commission ball of roll up the hill every every month. 
Well, that we could have a whole separate conversation about uh, the compensation model and your opinions on that. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll have you back and do that another time. This has been Seth Green for the RIA Show and with Michael Francis. Mike, thanks so much again for joining us. It's been my pleasure, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time.